Before the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. on BFF.fm or subscribe to the podcast at ForTheRecordPodcast.com. This week we're talking about Give a Glimpse of What You're Not, the newest record from Dinosaur Jr., and the first track is called Going Down, and it goes like this. album starts out with that blast of energy and this just rock and roll never died there's just these you know the guitar blasts and this clear voice and really just straightforward and there's such an immediacy to it that it's almost shocking that this is a band that was making music in the 80s yeah i mean it's so melodic and i really think this is a great track to start out the record because i think it's kind of it's very indicative of their i hesitate to kind of label any of these periods but like the period since they have reformed as dinosaur jr which is this is the fourth of that run of albums Mm -hmm. and just for the uninitiated i feel like everybody knows this but it's good to throw it out there is you know dinosaur jr was one of the most popular bands when i was a teenager and in fact, the only time I've ever seen them was when they opened for Jane's Addiction at the Will Turn in, I think, 1990 or 1991. And that was obviously at the height of Jane's Addiction, Jane's Addiction's popularity. And Dinosaur Jr. was like a very huge opening act. And so they were already really big. And I was never a huge fan, but that is the, uh, the well, that's the one and only time I saw them at that time. And then, sorry, not to digress. Then they broke up. There was a ton of acrimony. Uh, Lou Barlow went and formed Sebado, where he wrote some kind of mm-hmm. hateful songs at Jay Maskus, and they didn't speak. And then Jay Maskus did a couple more records as Dor- Dinosaur Jr., but without the other two. And then 10 years elapsed. And then in 2007, they came back with a really great reunion album where they had made up their differences and decided to start making music together. And that was Beyond. And that was the second time I saw them was at the at Slim's. And they were just as powerful as ever. And like their sound was great. They sounded wonderful together. And so this is the fourth from, you know, so there was Beyond and then two more records and then this one. So yeah, so which is just crazy that you see them and then almost two decades later, they're still good. And then now we're a decade on from that almost. Yeah. And they're still at it. It's just impressive longevity. And it's getting to the point where obviously the albums from the beginning are classics but i think you can start to make an argument that the music that they're making now is their body of work is more significant than what it was in the 90s 
well, certainly the volumes there. I'm sort of the opposite of you where I, I was certainly aware of them and I was in college in the nineties when it was sort of prime time to be aware of them that like all of the, that first group of albums had been out for a while. And somehow I just, I think I unfairly lumped them in with the whiny white guy music. That was kind of, I think what I thought of a lot of like indie music at the time and that was completely unfair, but I think his well, his voice well, like, has that, that certain wait, 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 timbre what, to it. What else would what else would qualify as whiny white guy music? It was not fair, but I, I feel like pavement I put in that as well. Okay, and there's well, like these guys that fair. are like that's like earnest, but just like come on guys, stop complaining. Your life is pretty good, and <laughs> like I, and it was not a fair characterization. And I've come around and started to listen to some of that stuff. Although there's you know new music is maybe more engaging, but suffice to say. I think, you know, to hear this now and his voice is still so strong and yeah, there's kind of that whiny twang to it, but I think it, he's able now to sing a song where it's very much looking backwards at kind of lost love and, uh, and I think a lot of this album is kind of in that wheelhouse uh, lyrically, but his voice really works for that so well. So if this was whiny white guy music, what was the cool music? I would say music, it had to be either less earnest or more female or just more rockin'. And again, these guys rocked hard and somehow I just unfairly lumped them in. And so it was not fair on my part. This is me coming clean on my shameful history of <laughs> I p- pigeonholing music. <laughs> I wasn't making fun of you. I was just giving you the opportunity to say something funny like kiss. Anyway, let's play the next track. It's called Tiny. <laughs> One thing about this band that I don't know is I think is a good thing, but it's kind of interesting that, you know, three decades on, they're still sticking, I think, to pretty conventional song structures. A lot of the time that's, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Oh, let's throw in a bridge. But they're really, they've been at it and they've really got it down to a science. And so here 
I think there's such a great contrast between the very kind of upbeat verse chorus and then the bridge does such a good job of sort of pulling the rug out and being this almost, you know, dark and menacing. And then even lyrically, there's, you know, the chorus is, I want to know, I want to know. And then, which is, you think, oh, that's doubt and that's positive. And then the bridge is, I know and I know for sure. And yet that's being presented as something dark and not negative hmm. i think it's kind of interesting okay um that's an interesting read i feel like most like all of the songs on this album i think if if not almost all address kind of this amorphous you they're all written in the second person and i think that adds to this sort of depressed isolated feeling that a lot of dinosaur junior songs have and I, but I like that this is paired with a very upbeat kind of melody. And you're right, it gets to the kind of minor key bridge there. But I think overall, it's a very kind of upbeat, catchy song. And yeah. by the way, the it's worth looking up the video for this because it's Jay Maskus and his skateboarding bulldog, which is actually his real life, his own skateboarding bulldog, and it is adorable. That's yeah. all. Yes, I highly approve. No, it's a, it's a really. <laughs> It's a fun video for a fun song. And yeah, mm-hmm. I know I wasn't trying to say that the song as a whole was dark. And I think it just has that little shading mm-hmm. in it. And I I like, though, that the sort of dark shading, I think, is sort of inverted somewhat with the lyric, lyricism. Like doubt is presented as the positive mm-hmm. and being sure of something is presented as the negative. And I guess that's maturity of someone who's, you know, middle aged now and still making music. Well, it's interesting. I read in an interview in Magnet where he was talking about how he's been writing songs for so long that it's hard to not repeat himself because like he kind of made the implication that, yeah, I recognize that a lot of my songs are kind of samey and, you know, you're drawing, especially now that he's older and I think he has a family and stuff and he has a pretty stable life. So he's drawing on feelings and thoughts from his past and he's like yeah sometimes i'll try to write a song and and realize like i already wrote a song that sounds exactly like that yeah yeah he's i hope he's drawing on the past at least because yeah in this next song i think the real lyrical the lyrical through line is broken hearted that's a song called be apart
That intro was a little long. I think it's around 30 seconds, but we wanted to include it because it's such an interesting change of pace from the first two tracks. It's very um, kind of noodly, and you said Mark not flourish. Yeah, there's that vibe. It's very much like an 80s throwback kind of dad rock. And I, I of course, he's now he's a middle-aged man. He can do that if he wants. <laughs> but And it's a refreshing change of pace. I thought was also interesting is, especially listening on decent headphones, you really pick up on like, wow, there's this two different guitar lines, one in each ear. And I think he's the only guitarist, Jay Maskus, right? So obviously there's some double tracking studio shenanigans that you're mm-hmm. not going to get in the live experience. Mm-hmm. But it sounds really good. It's not really my thing, but he's sounds amazing. Well, and it's also a good reminder that there is a long guitar solo that we didn't play in Tiny, but there are a number of blistering guitar solos on this record. And it's just a reminder that that is the core of what giant, why people listen to Dinosaur Jr. is that Jay Maskus is just an amazing guitarist. Yeah, I think the nice thing, though, is I think his his voice has aged very well. Mm-hmm. And so it, it has this real warmth to it. And mm-hmm. all I can think is he must have been engaged in some pretty clean living relative to some of his compatriots because it's just it is not shredded. It is really well, aged I mean, like it's, a fine it's line. already very kind of gravelly and low. So that is something that can kind of only get better with age. Yeah, I am a big fan. And I think uh and it's, I think, well suited to the material that like what he sings about suits the way he sings about it. And mm-hmm. like here he's, you know, this is the sort of song where he's clearly like trying to figure stuff out. And it's just the, this repetition of like, come on, I need to figure this out. Come on, be a part of me, be a part of you. And all these different permutations where he keeps like banging his head against this problem of like, why can't I make, you know, clearly some, you know, some relationship in his past that he, he mm-hmm. either couldn't make work or he saw it. You know, maybe it's not autobiographical, but you really feel it here of just that feeling of like, I, I, I hurt and I just want to make this work and I don't know how. And I I have some limited set of things. And I'm going to try all of those and none of those is working. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, you know, catchy and it's got a good and it, it's sort of down down tempo and then it speeds up. So it's pretty, you know, it's a lively song, but yeah, so just frustrating and a real bummer. And, you know, the title of the song then is Be Apart, which could also be read as Be Apart. Yes. Double meanings. Yeah. Anyway, the next. Yeah, go ahead. No. So we were just saying how good his voice is, but he's not the only person who sings in the band. So you were saying this next song. This is one of the two Lou Barlow tracks on the record, and it's called Love Is. So thin A light The light can't find The shadow wrapped in skin Let it fall On you Let it pin You down Until you tell The truth No matter What they say There's no Careless, what I wished for 
nice contrast with that previous track where that one started kind of airy with that guitar dual guitar sound and then went into more of a grungy kind of driving song this one has the exact opposite track where it starts off with this brief kind of sound and then completely pivots into this acoustic guitar and a much higher pitched i mean lou barlow's voice is kind of a little more falsetto and i really like that swinging one way and then the next track swinging exactly the opposite way and the acoustic guitar has such a clear tone to it too yeah and then speaking of contrast then at the end of the the clip we played you started to get into another guitar solo and it jumps out all the more to hear the electric guitar solo when it's been mostly acoustic guitar for Mm. the most of the song and it's nice because it seems like a real collaboration i felt like both of them were really contributing to the song and it wasn't just like okay well we need to let lou have a couple songs on this record which is how it has kind of felt in the past yeah, no, it's certainly, yeah, with the guitar solo coming in. And then I think I felt like there were backing vocals, kind of just him fleshing out the sound a little bit, making it feel a little less kind of reedy and falsetto without dominating in any way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's fu- also funny. I think I had that comment about the, oh, my probably clean living for, you know, having the voice, their bo- voice is still in good shape. But I feel like looking at this song and there's seems to be, you know, there's this like just heat sort of critique of hedonism or looking at that like especially we hear that in the bridge of like what i look what i wished for i did and i got a taste of it and i lost it all to get it and just the sense of like living for the thrill and so living above the law but love is the law Mm -hmm. and so that notion of like when you live like that sooner or later you realize that it's not going to be a satisfying life and i think uh they certainly seem to speak from at least secondhand experience, if maybe not firsthand experience. So, you're making a lot of assumptions there. I am making a lot of assumptions. Also, this sounds like a Sebado song, but that is true of every Lou Barlow song on every Dinosaur Junior record. <laughs> um, so we go from a song that has that very clear, crisp tone to probably the sludgiest song on the record, which is called "I Walk for Miles." <laughs>
that was one of those guitar solos we talked about that this song on its own has i think three or four different guitar solos and the part that we played comes after one of the solos where you can kind of hear the beginning of the body of the song but then with this wailing guitar still going on in the right channel which i think is a great effect and kind of cuts through the heaviness and the sludginess of this the the way that this song sounds it's a very like 90s kind of chugga 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 song yeah it's an interesting balance because yeah the actual chugga chugga part of the song is also super repetitive like it's just this first chorus that are just sort of this kind of down and slow and just kind of repeated over and over and then the song is like five and a half minutes long and about halfway through we start to get these guitar solos and coming into about three and a half minutes and the song's like oh we've already had a couple of guitar solos and it's wrapping up and then we hear nope i'm coming back and more guitars Mm -hmm. and it's just it's sheer excess (laughs) but (laughs) But that level of virtuoso it's great too and and i think it serves the lyrics of the song which you know the chorus is i walk for miles and it's kind of just like the this little bit of repetitive like one foot in front of the other like I'm just kind of doing my thing and we're just kind of doing our thing together and I think it's sort of a commentary on them as a band yeah a little and some a little myth the myth of Sisyphus there that you just keep pushing and there's maybe you can find kind of glory in just doing the hard work yeah day after day and you know I was we were listening to this song a lot um you know this past I mean this album this past week while we were getting ready for the podcast and it's been like super stressful at work and I've just been buried under a mountain of tasks that can't ever be finished and so I often feel like Sisyphus that you know as soon as you finish one thing someone's asking for something else and I really felt like that feeling was sort of channeled in this song and maybe it was me projecting but you know you just get that feeling of like sometimes life is just kind of a slog and I think that is a feeling that's communicated well by this song yeah they're mature artists and they're tackling with real problems uh tangling with real problems in a serious way it can be a bit much and I'm glad that I think in the next song we'll play I think they're tackling similar issues but I think in a more hopeful and maybe even cathartic way and that song is called Knocked Around
interesting that you introduced the song by characterizing it as optimistic. I think that's a tough way to interpret it. It certainly is cathartic, but the way that, you know that it's mostly about kind of being being knocked around by life and missing someone and you know a big part of the what I would characterize as the chorus is I miss you and I'm lonely. Yeah, but then what we heard there is the what I described as the catharsis where it the pace totally changes. This is very kind of down. I miss you. I miss you. And then we get this sort of, it bursts out, it speeds up and it becomes, I miss you and I'm lonely, but I'm, f- I, and I'm far enough from our love. This idea of like, well, you know, maybe I can just see this as something that's in the past and move on from it. And, you know, that is optimistic to me. That's just like, Hey, you don't let the things that knock you down, keep you down. You, get back up and you dust yourself off and you stop trudging you stop that drudgery and you start running and mm-hmm. this song he starts running yeah and i really like the way we haven't talked a lot about the percussion here but murph the drummer is particularly strong on this song he's just a really muscular powerful drummer and he really runs with it in this in this track and you you know it's this is a band where there are three people who are all very talented at what they do. And with only three performers, you kind of don't have anywhere to hide. You don't, nobody can cover up for anybody else's kind of weaknesses. And, you know, it's great to see them back together and just, you know, rocking out. Well, yeah, that notion that like we took a 10 year break or more, if you consider the sort of pre time, but like there were no dinosaur junior albums for 10 years. And yet they still have like a decade and a half experience playing together. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. And this entire album, you know, it has this incredible cohesion that, you know, sonically they're playing t- together just super tight. They're all amazing musicians. Thematically, they're, you know, they're mature and they can look back on their lives and draw from so much of these feelings of, you know, loneliness and despair and yet try and, you know, spinning gold from that straw. And it, just it works so well and i'm even though it's i think we talked about this maybe being a little samey it if you're consistently good then samey isn't a bad thing it's quite an album yeah so we'll go out with the second lou barlow song which is called left right and it's the last track on the record and we've been talking about the new dinosaur jr album give a glimpse of what you're not and you've been listening to for the record thanks for listening (laughs) 